Welcome to the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. I'm your host, Gary, and you may know me by such names as G.I. Gary from the Pina Comics Podcast, or IG Gary V on Twitter, or maybe even Instagram. And I'm also at Chaplain Joe Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on vacation in Sierra Gordo. I was sent over here to make leaflets for the Takaros because they lost all their forests. So we're making pamphlets out of paper. Seems in bad taste, but hey, I'm here doing my thing. I was also recruited by this Arpco Corporation where we're working on a drone of some kind. I've also been enlisted to help with a black supersonic jet. I'm on location and I've been hired and now I'm wearing purple and they say I'm technical and I try to explain to them it takes me about a half an hour of technical workouts for this podcast but they're like no no you're more than capable just remember our breakout tool when the pilot goes in the air and here I am today. Uh, We'll start off with a quick little news about the movie it's less than a month away and I am still looking forward to it. There have been some plot details uh, leaked through social media. I have tried to stay away from many of them as I can to contain my excitement. I have seen the trailers. I think the international trailer is much nicer. I hope the language from the international trailer is what we're going to see in the United States. I believe that them calling it a shadow organization from the United States trailer versus a terrorist organization in the international trailer, that is an interesting choice of words. And what does that mean for what we're going to see in overseas and not overseas. But right now I'm in Sierra Gordo, so hopefully I'll be back in the States. The other thing is I've been in the midst of two projects. Normally I try to get something ready, but I've been working on two Cobra projects this past week. And if you've been following me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, well, mostly Twitter, you'll know what I'm going to be talking about next. We're going to be talking about the Night Raven Jet from 1986, and also the Cobra Terror Drum. Now, the Cobra Terror Drum will be a two-parter. We'll lightly touch on this. I want to try to keep this a little, uh, another short and sweet episode to make sure that uh, we are keeping on schedule and uh, think of this as not like a fill-in, but hey, keeping with the theme, I'm working on some stuff. Now that I've got the kind of the movie stuff out of the way, I personally bought a bunch of vehicles at once. I used to be, you know, oh, I'm just going to have a couple vehicles, tons of figures, and, you know, in Mission Creep. Well, I'm going to get the first 21 issue characters and the characters I had when I was a kid, which morphed into, well, let me get all the figures, and then morphed into, you know, the vehicles are cool. And when I got a home, a house, I was like, oh, now I can fit all this other stuff. And then when you buy a lot, and, and by a lot, I mean a lot of lots. It just takes up so much room. One of the things as collectors we focus on a lot is that next thing. I was in that mode for too long, and I dove headfirst into just the buying aspect of this hobby. Like, got to get it, got to have more, this is a good deal. And... That is a portion of the collector thing, but what I wouldn't, I went too far. I went unhealthy level of purchasing. What is unhealthy level of purchasing in my book? When I have so much stuff, 
I had to get a storage unit to put my stuff in. That was a wake-up call for me. Now, when I first got the storage unit, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this all under under control. I'm going to get this stuff pared down, you know, and it's only going to be like six months, you know, maybe a year. And we are going on two years of that now. And storage units ain't cheap. And what I've discovered is, in my respect, I spent too much time focusing on the acquiring of said collection. And now that I'm done with that, for the most part, you know, there's still a piece here and there I'm looking for. And it's mostly grail things. It's like Goldhead Steel Brigade. It was, for a time, version 1A Steel Brigade. And when I got my version 1A Steel Brigade, I found it at a reasonable price. And it was sun damaged, but I don't care. I have my V1A. It goes in my box. And it's like, that's cool. And that's another thing I'll get into uh, maybe at a later date. But right now, like I said, I'm not trying to spend so much time acquiring pieces for my collection. Now comes the other half of the collection, which personally I've had to draw back into, and that's the curating a collection. What is curating a collection? That is, you know, a focus, you know, defining a focus, whether large or small. It is also displaying and storing. Right now, storage is, it's not like they're all neat and in the box and, you know, wrapped nicely. When I had a weekend to myself and a friend, we basically put stuff in the boxes gently and moved them a couple miles from my house into a storage unit. You know, it's not really curating. That's just moving the mess that I made into another area so that I'd have less of a mess in my house. And I built a table for my flag. I built it up. It's not done yet because what happens is before you get the before I got my flag set up, it turned into a workbench. And then I have my desk where I was doing videos for Pina Comics on the other side. But then that is filled up with stuff as well. And every so often, I try to get a moment of time to try to neaten things up. But part of that is also I'm going through now vehicles and stuff, which is part of the reason for this podcast is me going through these vehicles and deciding which ones I'm doing and what I'm doing with them. And so the past couple weeks, I spent some time with my Night Ravens. And as of this recording, I'm just starting my my Terror Drones. We're going to take a look at the Night Ravens first. Now, the Night Ravens are known as the SR-71 quote-unquote equivalent for the Cobra Air Force. The Night Raven is a really cool jet. It has a drone on the back, it seats two in the cockpit, one in the drone, retracting landing gear, pop-out missiles, a pop-up rear-facing machine gun. It has doors on the side and the wing engines that pop up to allow you to get access and there's a detailed compartment underneath it. It's just an absolute gorgeous 24-inch long jet. It is beautiful in black. It was remolded in silver for the Sky Patrol without the drone. The drone eventually would get reused with the Crusader shuttle. It is from that 1986 high watermark year, which I'm not trying to spend so much time on, but right now the way I've been going through stuff, and we'll take just you know a look. So the top of the jet, if you're looking from 
the sky downwards. If it's parked on the tarmac or you're just above it in a uh, sky striker, or maybe because you can't keep up within a sky striker for an X-19, you're looking down, you're seeing a black jet. It has orange nozzles, no orange intake. It has a red glass for the canopies, silver guns. Absolutely well done. The bottom side of it is in a gray plastic, and it still has some red accents on the bottom. So one of the red accents is the pull for the center uh, that pops out the missiles. It even has a sticker on it, or it should have a sticker on it, uh, per the instructions. It says, pull for missiles. And you'll pop that out, and you'll have two missiles, one on each side. In the front, there's also should be a sticker that says, cockpit elevator release. So what you have to do is you have to pull it forward, like towards the nose, and then just like gently pull it out. These are known to break. And it gets some pretty decent coverage in on YouTube reviews and stuff. But you drop it down, you have a seat, one that sits forward for the pilot, the Strato Viper, which we'll take a look at in a little bit, and the one that faces rearward for the uh, weapons or radio operator. And then that could be whomever you choose. When I have a Night Raven in my hands, I'm always reminded of the cartoon, the Sunbow cartoon. There's plenty of use of the Night Raven in the comic book. There's the one issue where the Night Raven is prominently shown, where the Strato Viper completely mistreats his crew, and it goes up against the Conquest X-30 in Slipstream. That is probably the high watermark in the comic book, in the original Marvel run, but in the cartoon, it was heavily featured during that last season, and... You know, we saw, like, because it's a cartoon, we saw everybody pilot a Night Raven, and we saw everybody take turns as a radio operator. But, so it's like, when I think of the radio operator, I'm always thinking of Dr. Mindbender, for whatever reason, in that in that position. With the, night, with the Strato Viper as a pilot, you know, who do you see as the radio operator? You know, I see, you know, Wild Weasel, uh, hanging back there because the Straddle Viper has those enhancements. You know, you could also have a Star Viper in there, but I'm leaning towards also maybe an Arrow Viper. But with the Viper Squadron generally being, they seem to be pretty proud of their status as pilots. Maybe it would be a Techno Viper or even an AVAC. But again, like I said, maybe an AVAC isn't a good fit. Maybe a Techno Viper or a Televiper would be a good choice for being the weapons or the radio guy. Now, in the back, there's the drone. Now, Cobra's always pretty cool about drones. Now, the thing about drones is they don't need pilots. And with the Trouble Bubble and with the Cobra Claws, um, those are also drones. You know, and the Cobra, the Trouble Bubble would have that air mine. And the Cobra Claws has the bomb that goes sits in where the character could go, where your figure could go. But here we have a drone as well, but the drone has a place for a figure to lay down. Now, as a drone, if my first instinct is to throw a bat in there, you know, if the drone falls out of the sky, boom, the bat, the bat gets out, damaged, it continues the fight on the ground. However, because of the size of the drone, and probably because of the maneuverability, you know, if a human pilot was to be in the drone, I'd I'd suggest an AVAC. And I think between, you know, the, the AVAC, the Strato Viper, 
with the AVAC as the drone pilot, the Straddle Viper as the Night Raven pilot, and then having a Techno Viper or a Televiper as the radio operator, I think that's a pretty good or even great crew for the Night Raven to go up against some Joe forces. Now that would be the other thing. What would the Night Raven go against? Now a lot of people like to pit the Night Raven against an X-30 or a XP-14 Sky Striker, but really in the Joe line it would be the X-19. The Joe supersonic jet is the only is the only true matchup for the Night Raven. Now Larry Hama put the X-19 against the Night Raven in one of the newer issues and it was a pretty cool dogfight issue but it's kind of hard to do a dogfight with jets that are doing plus Mach 2 the entire fight so it, it wasn't as exciting as that you know the slower speed uh, Sky Striker versus Wild Weasel and the Rattler at issue number 34 however it was really cool to see these two supersonic the two supersonic jets go up now earlier I did mention the fragile cockpit there are other areas of the Night Raven that are fragile it's known for losing the cover to the rearward machine gun behind the cockpit that is known to be easily lost the landing mechanism has been known to break on these the belly has been known to get fragile with age the missile pods, the, the part that ejects out for the two missiles in the belly, that's known somewhat to be a little fragile. But one thing that's I never saw mentioned until I found mine broken was the front landing gear. The front landing gear has a cover on it, so when it retracts, it, it gives you that smooth gray body. And that's one of the things that, you know, the, this era of G.I. Joe vehicles was known for, is that model-like quality, whether it was in the air or on the ground you know that level of detail that professionalism in the model making and one thing that still attracts me to this line so I'm putting together my my Night Ravens I went into my storage I grabbed all the ones that I had I had three and I'm like okay let me put them together you know I grabbed my bins of spare parts I sorted everything out and then I started putting it together and then I ended up with one complete Night Raven and then I had two partials one of my partials is only missing the front landing cover. And I'm like, oh, wow, that, that stinks. So, you know, I go on eBay. I found one for a reasonable price. And, you know, I click to buy it now. So I wait a week. It comes in the mail. And I'm excited. I get to finish the second. I get to finish the second Night Raven. And then I go down to my basement. I get ready to put it on. And lo and behold, I discover why the cover was missing the front landing gear clips were broken. So the clips, there's two clips that are on the rear of the front landing gear and it's and those clips are used to snap on the cover. Mine are broken, my cover doesn't snap on and now I realize I need to find a front landing gear for two Night Ravens now. That is something I discovered. All my Ravens have the J-hook. There's four versions for the, the landing gear on pull on these. And they all have to be matched up to the chassis. So that's something to pay attention to. There's a rubber tip on the rear that sometimes is lost. All mine have that. One cool thing is when you extend the landing gear, there's some there's this little air flap that pops up in the rear. 
the two uh, missile pods that sit on each wing, which they clip, they, they just, you know, friction fit on. You know, they fit there, you know, I mean, some, I don't think they're absolutely necessary for the Night Raven, but I'm happy they're there. And, you know, that's, you know, it, it's just a beautiful jet, Raven for black. The, the decals are terrific. And if you buy one, I would say make sure when you look at all the pictures, I would say ask for belly pictures. Ask for it being, you know, used. You know, make sure that that canopy says, take. can you take a picture of the canopy down? Can you picture the of the landing gear down? Ask for as many pictures on this thing. Some stuff is hard to find. The landing gear for right now, I've been looking for it for a couple of weeks. I haven't I haven't found one on eBay yet. They all sell and they'll sell even with broken clips. And I haven't seen, you know, when I find one, I'll report back on that. But the other thing that's commonly missing and commands, you know, like thirty to forty dollars is before, you know, before shipping and tax is that machine gun cover on the back. So if you're looking for a night raven, those are some things to consider. And a lot of times, if you're looking to buy one complete, it goes without saying, try to buy one in the best shape as possible, because that might save you heartache in the long run. But if you do enjoy projects, that's, you know, that's the other way to collect. And just be aware of things like that. It's like, oh, I found a Night Raven shell. How hard is it going to be for me to find the missing pieces? Uh, chances are, I'm going to say right now, the front landing co- the front landing gear and the uh, machine gun cover are going to be the two hardest things to find but right now the front landing gear is even harder than the machine gun cover okay now that i think the raven is done for today and put away at its all 27 ish inches long i'll move on to the terror drum and today the terror drum i'm not going to really review it in so much as the fact that I'm just going to talk my experience right now with the process of taking three of them apart, picking out the best pieces, and then putting it back together again. And so far this past couple weeks, I've gotten to get all three of mine home and tear them apart. And now I'm in the process of cleaning and putting them back together, which is the tedious, time-consuming process of the whole thing. The pterodrome takes up a lot of room. And my three pterodromes came from three different places. One was quite obviously attic stored. It is absolutely filthy. It is, it's almost disgusting. The other one is dusty. And then the other one was, lack of a better term, reasonably clean. But I think I bought it from a, a dealer uh, through uh, Facebook or craigslist years ago and so all three were in varying condition and through the course of after buying the first one of buying parts to finish that one like i said i acquired more and now i tore them apart so one thing you know so i'm going to talk about tearing them apart right now so these things are approximately two feet in circumference 24 inches around and they are about 18 inches tall so plan for taking some space if you're going to take one of these apart. Now, the first thing I did when taking it apart was I took the interior of the dome apart. So by the interior of the dome, I'm talking about the four red seats. Now, the four red seats come out with a gentle squeeze. Two tabs come out 
or just one, you know, lift one side out and then pull the other side out. And the, all four of those come out rather easy. Now the next thing is one of the parts that you're probably going to have a little bit of ass puckerage on when you go to take them out. That will be the turret bases. Now before you get to the turret bases, you're going to take the computers out from each side. So before, if you haven't taken one of these apart ever, maybe go to one of the other computers and go. you have to go underneath with one hand and feel for the two tabs that are on the bottom. So what the computer does is it has two tabs on the top which locate it and then there's two tabs that you can pull and release and the, and the computer will lift straight up out of the dome. So, well, and I'm calling it the dome, but it's really, you know, that circular area on top. So you've, you feel for those two tabs and you pull it straight up. It'll gain you access and you can see inside. And once you can see inside, you're going to be able to take everything else out. But I, start, I started with taking the computers out and then I moved on to the turret bases. Now the turret bases, you're going to see that there's two clips on the top for each one of these. And if you're like most people with a pterodrome, your turret bases are probably broken. So this step might not apply to you. But if you have a good turret base, you're going to want to take it off for the cleaning part. These are actually, at least in my experience for the three that I did, and I took five turret bases off, was I took a pencil. I took a pencil with a new eraser, and I pushed down with the eraser on the clip on the top. So the clip on the top, I got it to push down, and then I did the other clip, you know, and you just, you just need to do a little bit and just pull gently because there's four clips that hold it on the bottom. And those four clips are not flexible at all. And those wings are not flexible at all. That's where a lot of breakage can occur. So I did that and I gently pulled it back, you know, just enough to, to get it access. And then you pull the turret base straight up. I managed to do that with 100% success of all the ones that were installed on the drums that I had. And lastly, on the top of the pterodrome, there are the blue f the is the blue facade pieces that go around. Those can be tricky. So again, they have the same four clips on the bottom like the turret base does. What I did was I put my fingers in. Now that the, all the computers are gone, I've got my my fingers in and I and I just used my finger to wedge it open and apply pressure and to pop the top of the facade out and then pull it straight up from the out of the bottom of the four clips. That worked really good until they got too tough to do. So like anything, you know, I'm feeling my oats and I'm like, okay, and I'm going to admit some failure here. I broke two clips on two facades. The first one I was like, oh, oh I got it. And then I got it and then it snapped. And I was like, oh, crud. Actually, that wasn't the exact term I used, but we'll just leave it at that so I don't have to put the explicit letter on it. And then after that tab broke, I was able to pull the facade out. And I did it one more time right after that. And after that, and at that point, I said, no more disassembly on the top. The facade doesn't need to come off. It's nice for the cleaning I'm about to do. You know, the cleaning involves warm water and, you know, dish soap. I stopped with the top at that point. Like I said, I'm going to squirt some water in between on the ones that I can't take off, but it's not going to be a deal killer for what I'm going to do from here on out on my drums. 
The next thing that I did was I looked at the middle portion of the teratrome, which is all those gray doors. Now, the first thing I did was the doors that flipped down. So they were not talking the gun doors, we're talking the doors that flipped down. So I opened them up a little bit and I checked for the tabs. So there's four clips that hold the two tabs down for the door, you know, the two points for the hinge. So I felt whichever one seemed to be a little bit looser and I got that side up. And many times that allowed, that wasn't the door being all the way open, that, that was the door being open just enough for me to be able to pry it up on one side and one side only. And then for the second side, I would have to find like a happy medium and then I was able to lift it out again carefully, um, not forcing it. Now out of my three drones, out of all the fold down doors on all the on all the three drones, some of them did have broken clips already. So those sides were a little bit easier. However, on the one terror drone base that I had all the good clips on, I didn't break any clips. So I'm very happy. And right now I have one base that's 100% and I have one top that's 100%. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. You get all those doors down and out. Now you're going to be like, okay, well, what do you do about the gun doors? This is one place where I've also been lucky with these, but all three drums did not have broken gun doors. The, the gun doors are notoriously broken, much like the clips for the fold-down doors, because the teradrome is, the plastic used is subject to sun discoloration and heat discoloration, and that discoloration also affects the internal uh, chemistry of the plastic. Now with the doors, obviously I'm not going to try to force them and push down the clips and stuff. My thought was, how do I loosen the top? I, you know, went around, and this is not watching, as I found out later, that there's a, a great Form BX257 video about restoring a drone, which would have been helpful if I watched it before uh, I started this disassembly process. But what I ended up doing was, and I'll, I'll provide a link to the Form BX disassembly if you're, if you're getting into one of these. But what I ended up doing was, there's little dividers that go around the pterodrome that divides every compartment up for all the doors. Those are what attach the top to the base. So what I ended up doing was I started pulling them out gently. So they're just clipped in, you know, they're pushed in, clip, and then they clip. So I just gently, you know, pulled them out one by one until I got down to, you know, one or two. I would open up the gun doors and I would pull the wall out that was not near the hinge. What that did was that allowed the top to, you know, wiggle that a little bit enough, provide enough leverage so I could get enough space to easily get the gun doors out. Once the gun doors are out, that left me with only two walls to clip out and pull out. And at that point, the top comes off the pterodrome and it's basically disassembled. And now, what that also does is one of my pterodromes is missing the fingers that come up and close up over the fire bat. That allows easy access to replace some of those and move forward with the cleaning portion and then the reassembly portion. I'm expecting reassembly to be pretty straightforward. And like I said, right now, I'm at the point with 
my terror drums that I'm in the cleaning mode. Cleaning, assessing, how that's going to you know turn into the one terror drum that I'm going to keep and the other two that I'm going to sell or as I politically correctly call it, rehome, because one pterodrome is awesome. Two pterodromes, which is what I thought I was going to have, would be even more awesome, awesomer. I know I didn't need three to begin with. However, because of, like I said, going back to the curation of my collection and, you know, display and what I'm going to do with it all, you know, I've decided to downsize back down to one and move forward with that. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Anchor.fm or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Also coming to hopefully more podcast outlets near you. And don't forget that we're also part of the pintacomics.com family. The executives at Extensive Enterprises like to remind me of that, especially down here, and I don't know why they're with a candy corporation setting up a warehouse that seems to have a jet launching tube in the center. Don't ask me, I'm just here to help out the Takaros and whatever the Sierra Gordon government wants to do there's something about, you know, banana monopolies and I mean, this whole thing is just food and everything. I'm trying to make sense of this as I go along. I can't wait for this assignment to be over and to be back in the States. And because everybody's kind of looking at me all of a sudden, kind of strangely, I'll just be a little bit more quieter and wish you a fond adieu and yojo and see ya.